This is The Defrag, I'm Christopher Lawson. For as long as we've had cars, drunk driving has been a problem on our roads. In recent decades, related fatalities and injuries have declined, but the problem hasn't been eliminated. Preventative measures like random police stops and strategic breathalyzer tests have helped to mitigate drink driving, but they're expensive and can sometimes be unreliable. However, new technology could be the answer to stamping out the problem for good. James Parkinson has this story. If you drive a vehicle, chances are you've been stopped by police at some point and been tested for your blood alcohol concentration. If your BAC exceeds the legal limit in your area, you may face a fine or lose your license. And these strategies have been in place in many countries for years. They're effective insofar as that they have pushed down the rate of drink driving. And part of their effectiveness is the very, the relatively widespread in their in their enforcement, but there's also very significant fines and uh, potentially jail time for uh, repeat offenders. So the penalties are actually really quite high for drink driving and the attendant costs to financial and uh, costs related to work, uh, related to your family, uh, are also part of the uh, enforcement mechanism. This is Guy Charlton. I'm an associate professor at the University of New England Law School. These preventative or intervention measures, though, have their limitations. The first uh, notion is that they've really pushed down drunk driving or or drink driving to the point where the measures that are being taken uh, aren't really pushing it down significantly. And the costs of enforcement are, are consequently going up. So there's still... Uh, remains, for instance, I think one in seven fatal car accidents in Australia are uh, still caused by drink driving, despite the the heavy enforcement actions and the large fines. And another issue is that it doesn't really address this issue of people who are uh, addicted to alcohol and addicted to certain drugs and therefore are impaired. So they're continuing to drive even in the face of these high risks. The other problem is, is these enforcement activities because of the high fines and the really the penalties and jail time, losing your license can actually have uh, large costs for particular groups of people. If you lose your license, for instance, you're in a rural area and there's no alternative method for getting to work and you have to travel a long way, you could lose your job. Uh, if you are supporting your family, this has uh, follow-on consequences. For many of these enforcement activities, they can have actually discriminatory impact on certain groups of people. The roadblocks, for instance, are not checking everyone. They can actually inadvertently or unconsciously, there can be bias against certain groups of people uh, when drink driving is actually being enforced. For repeat offenders, a breathalyzer device can be installed in the car, where the driver must pass the test in order to operate the vehicle. This is what's called active technology. But there's now a shift towards the opposite. The new technology is passive, meaning you as a driver do not have to undertake any affirmative actions to uh, cause the device to monitor uh, your performance or monitor your blood alcohol content. There's essentially two types of devices. There's devices that will monitor someone while they're driving, will look at their 
uh, their eyes, their movement of their heads, or they will monitor the mechanisms by which people actually drive. The other types of mechanisms will actually be able to sense the blood alcohol content or the, the content of whatever drug that may impair you could actually uh, could exist in your bloodstream. These are classified as Driver Monitoring and Assistance Systems, or DMAS, and versions of them are already in use. Some of these devices, in fact, most of us who've bought a new car will have, they'll have impairment, they'll have erratic driving control devices already in place in these cars. For instance, I have a Toyota Corolla. If I go over to the side of the road uh, too quickly or I'm over on the side of the road, there'll be a beep. So many cars, new cars are already fitted with technology that's related to this impairment technology. Audi has got, uh, uh, has got some of this technology already installed and all car manufacturers are moving towards it more generally as part of the safety of automobiles, motor vehicles more generally. And this is a trend, of course, we've seen since putting in seatbelts uh, in the 60s. And so the, the new technologies that target uh, drink driving specifically, how are these going to be implemented in the near future? And what are the plans to kind of roll these out to, to be uh, more common? The big push in this technology has been with um, the uh, infrastructure bill in the United States. In that bill passed last November, the American Department of Transportation is uh, mandated to require passive impairment control devices on all new cars by 2027. So the legislation provides the, gives the, the transportation department there in the US a broad range of options. They can basically choose what system to develop. And of course these systems, some of these systems are not in existence yet. So this has been a push because it's now mandated in new cars within a five year period this is going to sort of focus the minds of, of legislatures across the world and of, of safety regulators. So simply from a technological standpoint, it would be, if it's going to be implemented in a large market, it would likely be installed on vehicles in other markets as well. These technologies show lots of promise to combat drink driving, but they also come with their own problems raising concerns about reliability and privacy. More on that after the break. Thanks for listening to The Defrag. Our goal with the show is to build a self-sustaining news brand that dives into and explores the intersection of technology, business, politics, and science. For the defrag to be a true success, we really need your support. We don't want to be reliant on just having to find advertisers, but we do want the core of our content to remain free. Which is why at our website, thedefrag.com, you can support the show by becoming a member of our free newsletter, or you can become a paid supporter. There are membership plans ranging from just $9 a month up to $50 a month, depending on how you want to support the show. And for your support, you'll get a range of different perks, including an ad-free version of the podcast, access to exclusive VIP events and live streams, and we'll send everyone that signs up a sticker pack. 
You can find out more at our website, thedefrag.com. The current evidence suggests that new technology designed to prevent drink driving will prove effective. Trials are currently underway in the United States and Australia. But like most tech, it's not a perfect solution. The issue with the technology, of course, is that some of this passive technology, there's issues about whether or not it will work all the time. There's still bugs in that, uh, in the technology that need to be worked out uh, so that individuals who aren't impaired, their car won't suffer from uh, non-starting. The other issue, of course, with this technology is that because it's computer uh, use is uses AI and computer technology, there's issues of privacy with the data. Uh, who owns that data? What can you do with that data? Uh, how long? Who holds that data? These sorts of issues need to be worked out as well. So while the United States has taken a step in this direction, do you expect there'll be some pushback on, on mandating this technology in, in other countries? Yeah, I think there's pushback. There'll be pushback across the world. I think that there are, there are some rights concerns related to privacy. I think that uh, we all have this image of, of driving is, you know, the freedom that's associated with driving and the, the sense that we can go in our car and go anywhere. And uh, in these concerns about technology controlling our access to the use of, a, of our automobile uh, naturally leads to some discomfort for people. But I do think that this pushback will be balanced against the obvious safety advantages for having this type of technology. That's the first issue. The second issue is that the savings, the cost savings in terms of enforcement or the personal costs in terms of individuals who are pulled into the civil and uh, criminal justice system because of falling, because of drunk driving, as well as the discriminatory aspects of some of the enforcement will outweigh those concerns. The concerns are important, but I think when you, on balance, I think the technology uh, should uh, move ahead. Also making news today, one-click payments company Fast has failed. Fast, the company which founded in 2019, had raised over $120 million and was aiming to take on the big giants in payment processing by making it easier to buy products. The idea was to bring a one-click checkout experience similar to what you get on Amazon to other websites. The company was reportedly losing $10 million a month, but was only generating $50,000 per month in revenue throughout 2021. In a statement on Twitter, CEO and co-founder Dom Holland said he takes responsibility for the decisions made that led to this outcome. Twitter is planning to appoint Elon Musk to the board of the company after he became the largest single shareholder. In a post on Twitter, co-founder Jack Dorsey said, I'm really happy Elon is joining the Twitter board. He cares deeply about our world and Twitter's role in it. 
Twitter has told the SEC that the deal prevents Musk from becoming a majority shareholder. Since the disclosure that Elon had become a major shareholder, Elon has been polling Twitter users asking if they wanted an edit button. Now, Twitter's communications team has posted a tweet saying that Twitter has actually been working on an edit button since last year, and that they didn't get the idea from a poll. The company plans to start rolling out the feature to Twitter Blue subscribers in the coming months. And newsletter app Substack is trying to squeeze its way into the subscription podcast space. The company has posted multiple blog posts and emailed customers, encouraging them to launch podcasts on the platform. The big selling point from Substack's perspective is that podcasters will know who their audience is because Substack keeps track of users' emails. Substack recently launched an iOS app, and podcasts will become a major feature of that. Subscriptions are now a feature offered in major apps like Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and there are other services that allow you to offer subscription podcasts across multiple platforms and keep track of users' details. So it's not yet clear how Substack will offer a different service. The Defrag is a production of Lawson Media. The show today was hosted by me, Christopher Lawson, and produced by James Parkinson. If you'd like to get an ad-free version of the podcast and gain early access to some episodes, consider becoming a Defrag member. You can sign up at our website, thedefrag.com. That's all the news today. I'll be back with more tomorrow.